read really quick what we just sang. His name is Jesus. There is only one strong enough to save. There's only one who overcame the grave. There's only one who's worthy of all praise. Amen? Amen? The, the worship team didn't know what I was going to be teaching on, but the songs just like lined it up today. And we're just going to continue on in that worship with what I'm teaching on. All right, this is Memorial Day. We're remembering uh, those who have laid down their lives for us. Today, I want to also take just some time to remember God's goodness. Can we do that? We have a good God. Those of you who have been in church for a long time, if you say, if you, someone says God is good, all the time. All the time. Amen. So today I have a simple message, all right? Everybody should be able to go home, and when someone says, what was the message about today? Whether you like it or not, you should be able to tell what it's about, all right? God is good. That's it. All the time, God is good. That's my message. All right, a few months ago, I was reading through Acts, and I came to Acts 7, and this is where Stephen, at the end of this chapter, he is stoned. Uh, But before that, he spends like 51 verses walking through the history of the Jewish people from like Moses on up to Jesus. And he's standing here in front of the Sanhedrin, the same group of people that just recently persecuted his Lord Jesus. And he, you know, I can't imagine the pressure that he was under. They were not happy with him. And yet it says that his face was glowing like an angel and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So today, as we remember God's goodness, my hope is at the end of this message, there's not a lot of points. There's not, uh, you know, I'm not telling you go home and put and implement these things. I really just want to remember God's goodness. And my hope is that at the end of it, that all of us are filled with his presence and that we can see the glory of God. This made the Sanhedrin mad when, when, when uh, Stephen was walking through this. It says at the end of it, they were gnashing their teeth at him. I don't know what that looks like, but they're so mad. They're just like, can't stand you. But in verses 55 and 56, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Can you imagine that moment? When you're just walking through the history of your faith and you're so full of the Holy Spirit that you look up and you just see God. And that's how you end your life. This story convicted me, guys. I asked myself, in a situation like this where I was being persecuted, where I was being tested, where I was being put on trial, would I be able to walk through my faith and just say, this is how good my God is? And would I be filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment? And so that's what I want from us today. We're going to walk through some history uh, of our faith. I'm going to throw a lot at you, but through all of it, we're just going to see God's goodness in action. Amen? But here's the deal. We're not going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the end. I like a good action story. How many of you are action fans? All right. Growing up, I watched a lot of G.I. Joe. Now I know and knowing is half the battle, right? (laughs) So, yeah, somebody gets that. All right. Uh, I love an action story, and I love those shows that you're watching, and at the beginning of the show, it starts off, and you, you know, maybe you're a few episodes in, so you, you understand the characters, and you know the good guys and the bad guys, and the show starts off, and it's like just total chaos right away, right? It's like the good guys surrounded by the bad guys, and you're like, okay, what happened? Did Netflix start this episode in the middle? Did I fall asleep halfway through an episode last night? What's going on? Or, or even better yet, the good guy's surrounded by other good guys. You know he's the good guy, but the police are closing in, the, the FBI's closing in, they're about to arrest him. And you're like, what is happening? What did I miss? And right when it's like getting to this really, you know, uh, chaotic part, it just goes black. And then it says like 72 hours earlier. And it backs up and it tells you the story. Okay? So we're going to start at the end today. 
Um, I'm making the genius move while we have all of our kids in here. We're going to read from Revelation. All right? So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Revelation 4, verse 6. And this is where we're going to start off. This is the craziness that we're going to start off in, all right? Revelation 4, verse 6. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had the face of like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Revelation 5.1, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Boom. The screen goes black. 7,200-ish years earlier. (laughs) We're looking upon what appears to be a peaceful lake. (laughs) Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What just happened? (laughs) All right, what journey am I taking you guys on? We're sitting here in the throne room of heaven with John the Revelator. We're seeing the end times. We're seeing this crazy, crazy worship experience. It says that the throne of God is like, it's got thunder and lightning going around it. It's got these beasts with eyes all over and they look like different animals and they're like worshiping God. But every time they worship God, the 24 elders are like, uh-uh, you're not gonna outdo us. And they're casting their, their crowns down and they're worshiping God and it's crazy. And then all of a sudden this angel, or this angel stands up and he sees a scroll in God's hand and he says, who's worthy to open the scroll of judgment? Who's, who's worthy? And they can't find anybody. And John's weeping and weeping. In heaven, where we're promised there will be no more weeping. (laughs) He's weeping and weeping. And then I take you all the way back to Genesis. What does this have to do with the message that I'm sharing with you today? What does this have to do with the goodness of God? Stay with me. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. As we go back to the beginning of creation, we see the the spirit of God hovering over the waters. And we see that everything in creation came to be through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus, the embodiment of God's goodness. All of creation was created through him and for him. Through Jesus, God creates a perfect garden on earth. He creates man and woman to be in relationship with him. Through Jesus, through his love, he wants us to be in relationship, and so he gives us the right to choose 
whether or not to accept that relationship, and mankind chooses not to. We walk away. But what's really great here is it doesn't just say God created all perfect things through Jesus and for Jesus. It says God created all of creation, right? It says things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and authorities. Thrones and powers and rulers and authorities weren't in the Garden of Eden. These things came a lot later in our history, right? So after the fall, God still created all those things through Jesus and for Jesus, And so throughout history, throughout every part of history, we can see the goodness of God and his plan for redemption through Jesus. So today I want to walk through one situation that I really believe is a foreshadowing of Jesus, of God's plan for redemption and showing God's goodness. Can we do that? Just like Stephen was walking through the history, let's walk through a little bit of our history. So less than a month and a half after God delivers the Jewish people from bondage in Egypt by walking them through the Red Sea where, how many of you have seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, right? It's pretty amazing. Like you can see whales. I imagine like dolphins jumping over the gaps, right? (laughs) There's these like, it's amazing. God's walking his people through the Red Sea. He's delivering them from Egypt. They have this in their mind. It says that like the 15th day of the the second month, so roughly six weeks later, after seeing God provide for them in this way and all the miracles that came before that with the the 10 judgments upon Egypt, those miracles that Moses performed, like six weeks later, they're sitting there saying, why'd you bring us out here, Moses, to die in the desert with no food? They actually say, I quote, It would have been better to have died in Egypt where, quote, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. They're romanticizing being in slavery. (laughs) They just saw God deliver them through all this, and they're sitting there judging God. And what does God do? He gives them manna. He gives them this bread from heaven. They didn't even know what it was. Manna literally means, what is it? So they'd wake up every morning and they'd have this bread that God provided for them and he fed them throughout their journey in the wilderness with this bread. But in the very next chapter, we see that that still wasn't even enough. They're complaining to Moses again. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, Genesis 17. We're gonna read verses one through seven. They're complaining to Moses again. After God brings them out of Egypt, after he walks them through the Red Sea, after he provides food and manna, they're complaining again. And this is where I want to spend some time today to see an example of God's goodness. Genesis 17, one through seven. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? 
Guys, this is absolutely crazy to me. If six weeks ago, two months ago, even three months ago, God had performed the miracles in my life that he performed for the Jewish people, the Israelites, my hope would be that I would remember his faithfulness and I'd be relying more on that than complaining and asking if God is even among us. They put God to test. They put God on trial. But out of his goodness, he didn't smite them. He didn't say, you know what? If you, don't, if you want to question whether I'm here or not, I'll show you and I'll leave. He didn't do all the things that he could do. He's perfect. There's no reason for them to be questioning him. They have no right to put God on trial. Instead, he uses this to foreshadow his plan to redeem all mankind to him. Listen to this. He says, okay, put me on trial. And here's what I will do. I will stand before you by a rock. I, God, will stand before you and let you judge me. Take that staff that you used to judge Egypt, the one that you struck the Nile in judgment and turned it to blood, and strike this rock in judgment of me. And out of it, I will provide water for my people. Life-giving water. Are you guys seeing the picture here? A God standing in judgment, being struck, and providing life. The Apostle Paul would speak of this later in 1 Corinthians, where he says in verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, they all ate the same spiritual sp- food, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. This is so crazy. This is how good God is. He's like, guys, I've had a plan. Chill out. (laughs) I have a plan that I put in place from before the beginning of the world. In fact, I created everything, good and bad. Everything was created through this plan, my son Jesus, and for him. 12 to 1300 years later, his plan would come to this earth in the form of a man named Yeshua, or Jesus. A man that all history was made through and for. First Peter 1.20 says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. It's not like God was scrambling, playing defense. Oh my gosh, it has gotten so messed up, I need to come up with a plan. God knew ahead of time, and he put that plan into action. But he didn't reveal it until the last times for our sake. So then Jesus starts his ministry, and he starts teaching about this loving father. And he starts taking some of these stories of history, and he starts twisting them a little bit and and messing with people's perspectives. The religious leaders of the day were, were fuming at him. But he was like, hey, wait, wait, wait. This, yes, God actually created this for this reason. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. They would speak of Abraham and they would talk about, you know, we have to do all these things because of Father Abraham. And then Jesus would say, hey, whoa, I actually knew Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am. These same people that question and put God on trial would now celebrate his goodness with the Feast of Tabernacles. They were commanded to to remember what God did for them in the wilderness. And guys, the Feast of Tabernacles was crazy. It would happen every year, and it was crazy. 
I read a commentator that said that you haven't seen a party unless you saw the Feast of Tabernacles and the way they would party, especially as it led up to the end, as they were remembering God's goodness. And a feast, uh, on the last day of this feast, this, this is crazy to me, the, the priest would, they would go down to the Pool of Siloam. Who, who came to the trip on, on Israel trip? Do you remember when we visited this place? They found it. They were actually trying to dig out a sewer plant or a sewer line, and they found the, the, the remains of the Pool of Siloam. And they believed that this place had healing waters, life-giving water. So the priest would go down on the last day. He'd go down, and be, he'd be accompanied by a lot of worship and singing and, and praising to God, and he would take this cup, and he would dip it into the Pool of Siloam. And as he dipped it into the pool, all the people would shout Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Imagine Jesus being a part of this. We're told that he's there during this, this ceremony. Imagine him whose name is a form of Joshua, which actually means salvation. And he knows that this ceremony is remembering this time. There was a foreshadow of him. And he's sitting there and he's watching this. And he's just got this smile on his face. You guys don't even know. And then they would t- this, the priest would take that, that cup. And they would start to walk from the Pool of Siloam up to the temple. And it's not a short trek. And there's a lot of vertical incline. Kurt would love it. I would hate it. <laughs> but the people would go with them. And they'd be singing. And they'd be dancing. And they'd be praising the Lord. And then when they got to the to the temple, they would take that cup and the high priest would pour it over the brazen altar. And as he did, the, the other priest would walk around the altar seven times. And they would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine this holy moment? To me, that's when I, I imagine it, it maybe settled down a little bit. There's a lot, of, a lot of praise and a lot of worship, but in this moment, people are watching this reverent moment. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Scripture tells us that it was during this ceremony and at this time that Jesus would declare something. And I could just see these, they're, they're walking around the seventh time. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is just standing in back. And then he yells out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God's plan coming to fruition. God's goodness coming to fruition. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, Yeshua, salvation, through whom all things were created and for whom all things were created. Revealing to mankind, I'm the plan that God's had in place all along. God is good. Everything has led up to this moment. Jesus himself would say in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We remember that kind of love today as we're celebrating Memorial Day. Those who would lay their lives down for us. Because I'm telling you, Jesus, his sacrifice was the greatest of them all. And we have to remember his goodness. Amen? We have to understand that God had a good plan all along to reconcile all of creation to himself. 
God is good all the time. All of history points to his goodness. If you'll take the time to study the scripture, you'll see Jesus in so much of the Old Testament. Pastor Kurt likes to say the Old Testament is Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. All of history points to his goodness, his patience, his love. All of creation points to his goodness. All of time points to his goodness. So this brings us back to the beginning or end of this message. <laughs> Revelation 5.1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under, could, or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one who was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Now I stopped us before this next verse. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Amen. Amen. Guys, this is what we were singing about earlier. The one who is holy, his name is Jesus, the only one worthy. This is what we were singing about. The only one. John is weeping because he doesn't think there's anybody. And he doesn't see Jesus apparently yet. But what's crazy, this angel's not like anybody, any, Jesus, Jesus, ah, it looks like he's not here. Um, John the Baptist, you're the greatest born of men. Time to step up. No, if Jesus isn't there, there's nobody worthy. Why? Because only through Jesus were all things created for him and through him. How good is God that before creation, he had a plan? Like I said, guys, I don't have points one, two, and three. I'm not gonna go to home and tell you to do stuff. I just wanted to take a service while we have all of the families in here together, from kids to adults, just take some time to remember God's goodness today. Is that okay? All right. Jesus is so good. Only Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah was good. It was God's good plan from the beginning of time. God is so good. Can we pray really quick? God, I just thank you for your goodness. God, we want to remember you today. Lord, just as Stephen looked back and he remembered his, the history of his faith and he could show your goodness and your story from Moses on, God, we wanna, we wanna recognize you today. We wanna stop and we wanna look at a little bit of our history, the history of our faith and see your goodness through all of it from creation through to the Jewish people, your provision for them in the wilderness, the fact that you remained faithful when they continually were not faithful. your goodness in Jesus Christ, your son, and him dying on the cross to redeem all of us unto you. Today, Lord, as we celebrate Pentecost, to remember your goodness in giving us the Holy Spirit. At the end of my days, God, I just want people to look at me and give you glory because they can say, man, God was good in his life. God is good all the time.
Amen. Kids, if you, if you can learn anything at a young age, my hope is that it would be that God is good. Life is not going to be easy. Life will be hard. Life will have good times and bad times. It'll have times where you're celebrating and you're rejoicing. And it'll have times where you're weeping and you're crying. But God is good through all of it. All the time. Never question God's goodness. I remember a time I was going through probably the hardest time in my life. And I was hit with some news that was a total shock to me. And I literally looking back, I think I was going crazy. I didn't know what to do. And I remember calling a friend and asking him if I could just meet him for coffee just to process. And he lived up in North Fort Collins. And so I was driving up there. And you know those times, this happens to me all the time, but you know those times where you're driving and you get somewhere and you're like, "Uh, I don't remember how I got here. So I hope I didn't run red lights. And I was that kind of drive. I was so just like distracted. And I was... But I remember from deep inside, even though this was literally, even now, I would say it's probably the worst moment of my life. I remember out of my mouth just started coming, God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my marriage up to this point. I thank you for what you did in my life as a kid. I thank you that you deem me worthy to even be in relationship with you. I thank you for the cross. If you never did another thing for me, the cross is enough. So I thank you for that. In the midst of this sorrow, my soul was like, "Uh uh-uh. Let me take over for a moment. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Kids, if you know that and you believe that and you live that out, it'll make all the difference. Now, there might be some people in here that are, they're listening to this like, that's, that's great, but I don't have that relationship with God. And the most important thing we do every Sunday is to give people an opportunity to respond and say, I want that relationship. God created us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want us to walk this life alone. He wants to walk every moment of it with us because he's good. And so he sent his son, as we talked about, to die on the cross, to redeem everything to him. And I hope through this message that you can see is if everything was created through him, maybe in your mind, you're processing, you're like, this doesn't make sense to me. How can one man dying on a cross for a few short hours reconcile all the bad things that I've done in my life or all the bad things that have been done in this planet? I heard someone say once, you could take Jesus if you were to have a skill and you could put him on one side and you could take everything else in creation, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the stars in the heaven, the mountains on earth, and you could put it in the other side and Jesus is gonna outweigh it all because it was all created through him and for him. And this great timing. This amazing God created all this stuff for him. Even that moment was created for his glory. Amen? He's so good. He created everything. God created everything through him and for him. So only he is worthy to reconcile it all. Only he is worthy to be the sacrifice 
And all we need to say is yes. I recognize that, I receive it. I recognize that you are God, that you are worthy. And if you've never made that decision, I wanna give you that opportunity now, whether you are five years old or whether you are 105 years old. It's the most important decision you can make in your entire life. So I just wanna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. If you've never made that decision, just raise your hand right now and let me know. Anybody? have a hand? Okay. Sorry. I'm looking at the lights. Praise God. (laughs) Sir, I feel like I'm supposed to say to you, just point this out. You were created for God. From the beginning of the creation of the world, he created you for his glory. Sure. Okay. 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 He doesn't speak English. She's been translating for him. Well, will you translate that for him, that he was made for God's glory. God sees him and loves him. Scripture says he was fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise God. Praise God. Sir... Actually, at this time, if we can have the, uh, the prayer team come down, if we'll all stand to our feet. If the ministry team can come down, will you tell your cousin at the end, if he can come up and pray, we would love to just pray with him and walk him through a prayer and give him, give him a Bible if he doesn't have one. I don't think we have any Haitian Bibles, do we? <laughs> French? Okay. We'll find, we'll find one if we need to. All right, I hope this was an encouragement to you guys today. I just wanted to take a moment, like I said, there's not a whole lot we can walk away from this beyond just remembering God's goodness. And my hope is like Stephen right now, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, that we can look up and we can see the glory of God. Amen? All right, you all have a wonderful week. I think Les is gonna come up here and close us out.